Did you know that the Word of God was written out for us and for our behalf, but truly written to be read aloud? Have you ever just sat and read the Bible, but read it out loud to yourself? The original writings and letters that were passed around to the churches and even the Old Testament, it was spoken, it was read, that not everybody had a copy like we do today. What a beautiful thing it is to hear the very words of God read aloud just for us to listen to. I pray and I do hope that you were blessed by those readings this morning. You know, our celebrations and our remembrances of Passion Week or Holy Week as we call it, they began last Sunday with Palm Sunday as we celebrated and remembered Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem welcomed as a king with the palm branches and cloaks laid down at their feet. And we looked at specifically one verse and one saying of the Lord Jesus when he was, if you remember, asked by the Pharisees to quiet all of the praising and the worship and all the welcoming him as king. The Pharisees said, Jesus, will you quiet your disciples? And what did he say to them? He said, if I were to make them silent, these very stones would cry out because that was a monumental event. So the beginning of the Holy Week began with this idea of the stones crying out. And then of course we know what Scripture teaches us, all that happened in His last days and being there in Jerusalem and what we just remembered two days ago on Friday night, the, the crucifixion of Jesus Christ We remembered that even as we were singing, the blood had to be shed for the forgiveness of our sins. But as we come to this morning, really not even the end of the week, but the beginning of a new week, if you think of it that way. Yes, it might end what we call Holy Week, but Sunday, the Sunday morning, the dawn of a new day, the dawn of a new week, a new beginning. We also see the testimony of a rock crying out. This is a familiar story to most of us. The account in all the Gospels of Jesus' resurrection from the dead, how the stone was rolled away, the tomb was empty, and the women and other disciples came and saw it. We know about angels and we know about the guards and all that happened. But this morning, our focus will be specifically on that one aspect, that one element that is so crucial that it simply says in all the Gospel accounts, the stone was rolled away. Or the stone had been rolled away. So sort of bookending this whole Passion Week is it starts with the stones would even have to cry out to proclaim Jesus for who He is. And at the end, and even the beginning of the new week, there was a stone that cries out It cries out for us this morning. So we're going to just look at a few things that that stone that was rolled away actually tells us, gives us hope as followers of Jesus Christ. You know, on that morning, there were women that came to the tomb first. Did you know that? And one of the accounts says four women, and and, and others give different accounts, but we know there were at least one, probably four, that came to the tomb Early that next morning, why did they come? They they came to anoint Jesus' body, anoint His dead body. They came fully expecting 
to see Jesus, his body, dead in the tomb. And they came because of their great devotion for Jesus. But think about this. Their great devotion and deep love for their Savior, even though they had felt such loss of hope and dejection, they still made their way early to care for their Lord, even though they believed He was dead. But on the way, it says in Mark's account, it says this in Mark chapter 16, 1-4. Listen to this account. It says, When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome, they bought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. So very early on the first day of the week, Jesus, after sunrise, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb. But look at what they said to each other. They're making their way to the tomb to anoint the body of Jesus. And they ask one another, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But verse 4, when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. What a very interesting question. They were making their way to anoint his body, and it occurred to them, because all they knew is they wanted to get to Jesus. They believed that he was dead. They wanted to take care of his body. And on the way, they stopped and they thought, who will roll that stone away for us? For they knew that the tomb in the cave would have been covered with a great boulder, a giant stone. And they said, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? If we think about that question for a moment, in many ways it is an age-old question. Who will roll the stone away for us? How will we get back to our God? How are we to find God once again when we are cut off from seeing Him? How are we to be reconciled and reconnected to God? People, since the beginning of time, have been asking that question. How do we get reconnected to God ever since the fall? How do we see God once again? How do we gain access to Him? It is a question that really everybody asks at some point in their life. Who is this God? We all feel some kind of disconnect Something is missing. How do we find God once again? So their question is quite profound, is it not? Who will roll the stone away for us? They recognize they would not be able to do it on their own. Not of their own efforts could they once again be reconciled and see their God, their Savior. But all the accounts say in all four of the Gospels, that the stone was rolled away when they got there. They didn't get there and ask for help to roll it away. As they approached the tomb, they saw the stone was rolled away. They didn't have to move it. It was done for them. Let me just briefly read each of the accounts. I do want to start in Mark. We're going to just want to read that again. Look at what it says. I'll read each of the accounts, just this part that talks about the stone, when the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome 
bought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. Look at Matthew's account, Matthew 28, just the first couple of verses. Matthew recounts, After the Sabbath, at dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and, going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. It was an angel of the Lord that rolled away that stone. In Luke's version, his account says in the first three verses of Luke 24, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And finally, in John's account, John 20, just the first verse, early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. It's amazing. They each give us a different nuance in their accounts of the resurrection story, but we see from each of those that when they arrived, the stone had been rolled away. So let us just for a moment consider the stone that had been rolled away. This was the stone that blocked the Lord's tomb. It blocked the entrance to the tomb. Scholars and biblical archaeologists believe just from looking at tombs from today and then even accounts of tombs back in that day, very rarely were they large boulders that were disc-shaped. There could have been. There was few. They, those were usually used for, um, for royalty. Very expensive to make. Most of the time, a burial tomb was covered with a boulder that was maybe square, maybe even looked like a cork shape. It was interesting. It could still be moved and rolled, but not just like the disc. But in each case, we also know that that stone was enormous. Most of them weighed from one, probably even two tons. And they weren't just sort of rolled into place so they could easily be rolled out of the way. Because we know from Matthew 27 that Joseph of Arimathea, whose tomb it was, it says that he rolled the stone into place. So that would kind of say, well, then I guess a man or a person or a couple of people could move it out of the way. No, because what they normally did was they would dig a little ditch or an indentation in front of the tomb opening so that when they, one person or two people could roll it or move it into place, it would then sink. And if you can picture it, how difficult would it be to move a two-ton stone out of that divot back up? See? And so that tomb, the entrance to the tomb was blocked by that great stone. No matter what shape it actually was, we know from the Gospel accounts, it was moved. Before the women and the disciples went to see, it had already been moved. Think about this. That stone would have completely blocked the entrance. Scholars also believe that the way they normally did it 
was that there was actually stones in front, so there was a space sort of between this stone facade and the entrance, so when it rolled into place, there was no way from someone on the inside to just push it over, because there was also stones on the sides blocking it. It was built so that no one could get in. But also, interestingly, no one could get out. Trying to get in, there was no way to even squeeze in. You couldn't even get by it or just budget an inch. You couldn't even work your way in to see Jesus. You see what's happening here? We also know that there was an official Roman seal, the seal of Herod, the leader of the day, the Roman leader. His official seal was put on that stone. So that anyone who would have broken that seal and tried to remove it was put to death instantly. Only a person with the proper authority, higher authority than Herod, could break that seal. Only by Herod's order could that stone be moved away. Well, let us see, who is the one person who has more authority than King Herod? Only God Himself could have moved that stone. The law had said no one could move that stone and defeat the authority of Herod. Jesus was the higher authority. Jesus was the higher authority. So we see that stone, that massive stone was put into place. But let us not miss it, that the stone had already been rolled away from them. See, they had been cut off from access to their Lord, right? And that women came expecting to find him buried there, dead. And they even asked, well, what are we going to do about this great stone? Who will roll it away for us? But that was provided for them. You know, throughout the centuries, throughout the ages, people have tried many ways to find their way back to God. Through philosophies, world religions, their works. Even we read in Scripture the building of a tower through the worship of nature itself. See, we have always known as human beings, those created by God, that there was something beyond the grave. There was something else that was missing. Ecclesiastes 3.11 tells us this profound truth that He has set eternity in our hearts. Did you ever hear that before? That God has set eternity in our hearts. That simply means for us today that that there is something in each of us that longs to be reconnected to our Creator. and Everyone in the world has that within them. Many people are blinded to it. But it still is within them. Part of our DNA as humans that we have this longing for eternity, this sense that somehow we are disconnected from who we truly are. Somehow, we need to get back to be reconnected to our Creator, the One who made us. And so that tells us that God has set eternity in our hearts. Forever, man has been searching for a way to seek reconciliation. But the profound truth for us this morning is this. When they approached the tomb, the stone had already been rolled away. What does that mean for us? That we can't work our way in. We can't just try to budget and find our own path, our own way back to Jesus. 
to see him, to find him, to kind of develop and come up with our own view and model of who God is to us. We must do it on God's terms. The beautiful truth is that the stone was rolled away for us. That we don't need to, we cannot work our way back to God to be reconnected to Him. We are separated from Him because of our sin nature, but what we remembered on Friday night, what Christ did on the cross for us, and now Sunday morning, knowing that the tomb is empty, He defeated death. That beautiful truth reminds us that it was all God. Do you remember what we remembered, what He did on the cross? And it says that as He was proclaiming those words, it is finished, that the earth shook, that that curtain of the temple, it says, was torn in two from top to bottom, giving us an access to the Holy of Holies where God where God resided for the people, where the priests would come in and meet with God to offer worship and sacrifice. But it said it was torn from top to bottom because God did it. The stone had already been rolled away because God did it for them. Church, God has done it for us. We are saved by grace through faith in Christ alone, not of our own works so that no one can boast, it tells us. See that beautiful truth? What we can learn from that just that stone that was blocking the entrance from people being reconnected to their Lord and Savior, that entrance was once again open, but it was done only by God. Jesus is called our great shepherd and He cares for His sheep. There is um, there's an appropriate story to be reminded of from Genesis 29. And it'll be up on the screen for you. In Genesis 29, we see that story of, of Jacob, who had been, um, he had, remember, fought Jacob and Esau, and he goes out into the, the countryside, and he needs to kind of leave for a while. And he goes and he sees, as he is walking through the desert, he sees a well, a well full of water, out in the distance, sort of out in the open. And there's sheep gathered around it. So he approaches the well. Of course, he's thirsty. This is that story where he meets for the first time Rachel. But look at what it says. Look at how that well is described. Then Jacob continued on his journey. He came to the land of the eastern peoples. There he saw a well in the open country with three flocks of sheep lying near it because the flocks were watered from that well. The stone was over the mouth of the well. And that stone was large. When all the flocks were gathered there, the shepherds would roll the stone away from the well's mouth and water the sheep. Then they would return the stone to its place over the mouth of the well. See that picture? What would the shepherd do? When they would get there, they would see that their sheep are in need. The sheep are thirsty for water that brings life. So what would the shepherd do? The shepherd would not make them struggle for it or work for it. The shepherd would roll the stone away so the sheep could drink of the water that brought life. God rolled the stone of the tomb away so we could have access and see that. See? So that we, the sheep, would be led by our great shepherd. And then we see who rolled this stone away. In the Matthew 28 account, it simply tells us that an angel did it. 
It says an angel came from heaven. There was a great, a great earthquake. It says, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, and going to the tomb, he rolled back the stone and sat on it. Now, why would he sit on that stone? We don't know for sure, but perhaps it give us, gives us this great picture. He sits on top of the stone, talks to the women, and sits there as if to say, I'd like to see somebody else try to move this stone back in front. Let's see somebody try. We were talking this morning about how the guards had just kind of fell over like they were dead, and the angel's probably looking, saying they're okay for a while. And he talks to the women. But the angel sits on top of the stone. You know, angels promised the birth. Do you remember the angel that appeared to Mary and promised His coming and His birth. Angels proclaimed the very moment of His birth. Right? And they proclaimed it when He was born to the shepherds in the fields. Angels attended to Him after His temptation in the desert. But if you notice, there was no angels attending to Him while He hung on the cross. For He... Jesus had been separated from the Father. He had been separated from the Father. We talked about it on Friday night. He had that feeling of abandonment. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Reading from Psalm 22. There were angels throughout Jesus' life to help Him, to attend to Him, to proclaim and announce His coming, but not while He suffered and was separated from the Father. But now, after He has risen, and being reconnected, joining the Father, sitting at His right hand, now an angel appears again to proclaim the good news. Isn't that awesome? That the angel comes back and says, the angel comes down from heaven and rolls the stone away. It is God who rolls it away. The form of an angel. The angel sat on the stone It's almost like an exclamation point for he sits on the stone. It had already been rolled away before they got there and he sits on top of the stone and says, now what? Right? Like an exclamation point. You know, but a lot of exclamation points. You know when you send a text and you send an exclamation point, sometimes we get that and we're like, well, what do they really mean? There's only one exclamation point. But some people send like five or ten of them. Right? Yeah, you know who you are when you do that. You send all those exclamation points. Yes, in all caps. We don't really need all the caps, but what does that exclamation point say? It's like you're putting an emphasis on it. It's like this is what I say and I mean, and here is the truth of it. Like at exclamation point, you're given five or ten of them. So the angel sits on top of the stone, shouting it out. Right? Isn't that why you use an exclamation point to shout it out? It's just like, I'm saying this loud, and I'm saying it for all to hear that He is not here. Why do you look for that one? He is not here. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Last week, again, in Palm Sunday, Jesus made that statement that if He had to silence all of the worshipers, even the rocks would have to cry out. But this rock, the stone that rolled away, It cries out the victory of Jesus over death. 
The disciples heard its cry in that sense. You know, many of the disciples died as martyrs. They died a martyr's death because why? Listen, because they were convinced of the truth of the resurrection. It wasn't until Jesus rose from the dead and they saw for themselves that they truly believed. You know, we think about that that all through those those three years of ministry that Jesus walked and talked and ate and taught with the disciples, they still didn't quite get it when he said that he had to go to the cross and die, but in three days he would rise again. Because he was in the tomb and they thought that was it. They had been defeated. Their Savior was no more. But not until after the resurrection did they truly get it. So from that point on, that was the focal point of their testimony and their witness. We read it all throughout the book of Acts. Every time they shared about their faith, it was always about, did you hear about Jesus? He rose from the dead. Let me tell you about the resurrected Lord. That's the cornerstone of our faith, church. When you share your faith, being a Christian with others, do you talk about the fact that Jesus, he taught a lot of good things and he talked about you know, salvation and the means of his blood, but do we also include this momentous event that he rose from the dead. He came back to life just as he said that he would. See, the martyrs, the, the Christians, the early disciples, they died because they were willing to proclaim that. Think about this. They didn't gain anything from it. By proclaiming the death and the resurrection of Christ, they didn't gain fame or fortune or a new position. See, they didn't gain anything from it. There wasn't like anything in it for them. In fact, all they got, many of them, was death. That's how strongly they believed in this event, in the reality of the resurrection. And finally, we say this. There is such great significance in that stone that was rolled away, for it was rolled away for us. The women who had first approached the tomb with the spices to anoint his dead body, they had lost hope. The disciples were back in a room and they had lost hope and they were dejected. We can just picture it. They had lost their hope. They were so hopeful, but when they saw what happened to Jesus, their Lord, on the cross, they questioned it. Was he truly the Messiah? We didn't expect it to end like this. But as those women approached and they saw the stone had already been uh, rolled away, Jesus already resurrected, their hope was restored. So the women and then those disciples, they could look in. Let me ask you this final question. Why was the stone rolled away? Why was that stone rolled away? Why did the angel, why did God have to roll the stone away so Jesus could get out? He had already risen. You remember what happens after he's risen and he's appearing to them when he can just he goes through the wall of that home? Jesus could certainly in his resurrected body go through the wall of that tomb. God did not roll the stone away so Jesus could escape or get out or be freed. He did it for us. He did it so that those disciples could look in. So the women could look in and it says in the accounts that they even saw the linens that had wrapped his dead body. They saw him laying there, but the body was gone. God rolled the stone away for us so that we could peer in to the empty tomb. 
so that we could look in and once again have hope. You know, sometimes in life, all we see is the stone. Sometimes in life, all we can see is that stone blocking our way to God. Blocking our very hope. That stone can represent despair. It can represent depression. It can represent fear. But we are to look at that empty tune and have hope. Hope because God is all-powerful. Hope because death is not the end. Hope because there is now light in the dark places. When that stone was rolled away, the light flooded the dark and empty tomb so that all the world could see. For we know that light overcomes the darkness. Right? Light overcomes the darkness so that darkened grave, that dark tomb, had now been flooded with light to reveal that death could not keep Him and the grave could not hold Him. Our sin our guilt, our shame, our fears, it's all certainly as real as that stone. It's all very real. But it has all been rolled away by Him for you. That dark place has been overcome by the light of life. I hope you believe that this morning. That the darkness has been overcome by that light because God rolled away the stone. Whatever stone or stones you believe are set between you and God, I can tell you this morning with great confidence that He is able to remove them. In fact, He has done it already. He has done it already. He has gone to the cross. Your sins have been forgiven. If only now you are to reach out and believe. Scripture tells us, as the Philippian jailer said, how, how do I believe? How is it that I come to the Lord Jesus? How do I get back to God? Who will roll that stone away for me? In essence, is what he is asking. And the disciples simply say, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. It is belief that Jesus is who he says he is, that he has done what he said he would do, that he would rise again on the third day. It is belief that God rolled the stone away for you. He did it so that you could gaze into that empty tomb and see what he has done. He has overcome the darkness with his perfect light and he did it for you. If you are here this morning and you're still seeking and you do not yet believe in the Lord Jesus as Savior, now is that time. For we know the truth of the resurrection story. That all those disciples, they were willing to die for it just to finally proclaim that Jesus is alive and has risen from the dead, not gaining anything from it, but believing it to be true. In church, we are to proclaim that message of hope. We are called now to be those children of light in a world full of so much darkness. We are to tell the true and amazing story of the resurrection just like the disciples did. Let it be the cornerstone of your faith. And even during times of difficulty and doubt, remember, simply remember, to just peer into that tomb. For the stone has been rolled away for you. And gaze in wonder that your Lord is not there. He is not dead. He is risen just as He said He would.
Would we pray together, church? Father, we give you thanks. We give you praise. Lord, this is that day in our life of the church that we set aside to specifically remember that Jesus defeated death and rose again as was prophesied, as He proclaimed. But God, we know that You want Your church to be living it and proclaiming it every day. Lord, it is our life as we say the resurrection is the cornerstone of our faith. Without that, all else crumbles. Our preaching, our teaching, our reading of Your Word is in vain. The rest of the Gospel story falls apart if Jesus remains on the cross or His body remains in that tomb. Father God, let us proclaim it and live it out that we would shout it out with many exclamation points just like the angel sitting on top of that stone. God, that You rolled away for us. And finally, Father, help us to always, always remember that. That we cannot find our own way back into that tomb to see You once again. That it's only when you have rolled that stone away, when you have removed that veil from our eyes, and you tell us very simply, we do that by believing in the Lord Jesus, and we will be saved. When we believe that Jesus is who he says he is, that he did what he said he would do, we put our faith and trust in that for our eternal salvation. God, we then join the church, we join all the saints around the world and throughout history proclaiming that Jesus is risen indeed. Father, help us to have that hope even when we're struggling that we would peer into that empty tomb. Recognize that the light has overcome the darkness in our lives and that we then can live as the free children of light that we are. We proclaim it. We say thank you in the name of the one who make it all possible. Jesus Christ. Amen.